Our sermon for the week of May 21st, 2023, the seventh Sunday in Easter, is taken from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. And the theme of our sermon is, Because he was glorified, we are too. From John chapter 17. After Jesus had spoken these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me at your own side with the glory I had at your side before the world existed. I revealed your name to the men you gave me out of this world or out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have held on to your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they received them. They learned the truth that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. All that is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer going to be in the world, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. The word of the Lord. On Thursday night, as they were gathered together to celebrate the Passover, Jesus told his disciples that they would be scattered from him very soon. But at the same time, he wants them to have peace, because he has overcome the world. What an interesting sight it must have been for Jesus to take just a moment to pray, both for himself and for his disciples. Jesus is praying for glory. But is glory what we see in Jesus on Thursday and Friday of Holy Week? You could pretty easily argue that what we see is weakness. Peter is ready to go to war in the Garden of Gethsemane, but Jesus just surrenders. As he stands trial, he's silent, not defending himself, but taking all the insults and accusations. He refuses to cling to his dignity as they strip him of his garments and beat him until his flesh is raw. He doesn't push back as they place a crown of thorns on his head and mockingly call him the king of the Jews. It's embarrassing, not only for him, but also for those who are, are linked to him, who have hitched their wagon to him. Nobody hangs the picture of the loser up on their wall. There is no glory in defeat. Jesus knows all of this is coming. He's going to be the husk of anyone's idea of a savior. But is that how he portrays himself in his prayer? Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Glorify. Would any father be proud of his son when he's been arrested on criminal charges? Would any father be proud that his son is so hated by the elites in society, even his friends won't speak up for him? Where's the glory? There's no sight of Jordan 
clinging to the championship trophy with a cigar in his mouth and tears streaming down his face. It looks nothing like a glowing bride on the day she has so meticulously planned for months. This is the opposite of glory. This is obscurity. This is shame. But we have to understand what glory is. Because none of what we see from Jesus looks like glory to our human eyes. In our minds, it's normal to associate glory with achievement. Graduates receive some glory when they complete their high school or college degrees. There is glory given to the retiree who gave decades of faithful service to the company. We also associate glory with how many eyeballs are glued to the scene. People have parties to watch award shows that celebrate actors and actresses that shine on the big screen. Instagram is filled with pictures and videos from crowds in the tens of thousands watching their favorite artists perform their hit songs from the radio. All these things look like glorious sights in our eyes. But is this God's definition of glory, a.k.a. the real and only definition of glory? Well, maybe in a sense. Glory is splendor. Glory is success. But it's so much more than an expensive dress or a handful of Super Bowl rings. Jesus says, For you gave him, Jesus referring to himself, authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me at your own side with the glory I had at your side before the world existed. Glory is more than just a beautiful sight. It's a meaningful sight. Jesus comes in glory with all authority. While the scene of the cross would lead us to believe otherwise, Jesus is in complete control. He comes in glory that the world might know God. Because he is one with the Father, they would see the Father through him. And Jesus comes that the plan of salvation would be finished. If he had not come to glorify the Father, where would you be? You'd have no need to be here. In fact, you'd be wasting your time here. Because if this life is all that you had, you'd need to be chasing every base impulse and desire of the flesh. You'd have no reason to deny yourself anything. And isn't that how so many people are living? Motivated by fear that tomorrow might be the end of them forever. Jesus prays to the Father because... He's doing the work of the Father. If you don't see Jesus as the most important thing in life, you're missing everything. If coming to church is just so you can punch a card in your head and, and think that you're right with God because of it, you're robbing yourself of the most beautiful and meaningful sight. You're missing just how glorious the cross of Jesus is. I remember going to see the movie Lone Survivor with some of my classmates in college 
One of my classmates was a Marine reservist and spent most of his summers training in different places around the world. I remember the movie ending, all of us getting up and leaving the theater, but this one classmate staying behind. He had stayed in his seat with his face buried in his hands because the movie was so deeply moving to him. While he had never seen combat before, he knew the sacrifice of giving yourself up for your brothers. He knew it more than the rest of us knew. There is a glory that comes from seeing someone sacrifice for you. And now strip away all of the feelings of duty and the pay that is given, and add to that the fact that there was nothing about you worth fighting for. And you can see the glory of Jesus going to the cross for you. He kept his Father's will perfectly. He made the ultimate sacrifice for a world that had turned its back on him so many times. Jesus is praying that he completes the mission. He's praying that he finds that glory in the salvation that he wins for the world, in his perfect obedience to his Father. And that sacrifice has an effect. You could argue that even as Jesus was praying for himself, he was also praying for us. He wanted the glory so that we could have the glory. Listen to the way that Jesus speaks about you. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. All that is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. Jesus is praying for you as he faces suffering in hell. You are the purpose for everything that he does. And Jesus wants you to know him. He says this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. But how is it that we know God? Again, Jesus answers, They were yours. You gave them to me and they have held on to your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they received them. They learned the truth that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. It is the word of God that shows us who he is. Certainly you can know something about God by nature and the conscience, but, but no walk through the woods, no time in meditation will lead you to know who Jesus is on your own. Jesus reveals himself to us only in Holy Scripture. Knowing him is not just having the answers on Bible trivia night. That's knowing about him. Knowing him is taking all that knowledge, which is still important, and, and going the next step with it. In one of our orders of service, we, we pray this prayer toward the end of the, the service. We pray, Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We hear, read, and learn the truths of the Bible 
so that we can carry these wonderful, unchanging truths in our hearts. We do it so we can cling to that hope of everlasting life that Jesus talks about here in the gospel. And Jesus' love stretches to the future as well. He knew he was going to leave his followers to go to the Father. How would things change for his disciples? Well, the disciples struggled to trust Jesus even when they could see him, even when he was with them during his ministry. Now he would be out of sight, and that would leave a lot of uncertainty. Was he still taking care of them? Did they need to start looking out for themselves instead? The same thinking infects our minds as well, doesn't it? But what does Jesus pray? I am no longer going to be in the world, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. His prayer is for God's hand in our lives. His prayer is that his disciples of all times would be taken care of. And it's true that God takes care of us each and every day. But do we ever slow down in our lives enough to really appreciate it? Jesus, he finds purpose in his relationships. He came to glorify the Father by being the perfectly obedient Son. He glorifies God as he fulfills the Father's greatest plan. And he comes to glorify us as well. And in glorifying us, he says it so well, and I am glorified in them. He gave up everything because he wants you connected with him for eternity. You are his purpose. If you ever think you mean nothing, bookmark this section in your Bible and come back to it whenever you feel that way. Your glorious Savior is laser-focused on your well-being, on making you glorious in the sight of your Heavenly Father. And He makes you glorious at the cross. And He keeps you glorious through His Word and through the sacraments forever. Amen.